Good evening and welcome to yet another episode of The Last Knock, your friends in horror since 2013. I am one of your hosts. My name is Johnny Numb. Joining me tonight, as always, is... Billy Crash. Awesome. In my palace. (laughs) I'm being palatial right now, Johnny. You can't see me, but really, I'm palatial right now. Billy, do you have some ladies like sitting next to you feeding you grapes right now? <laughs> uh, no, I'm in a cold fucking house. That's where I'm at, Johnny. <laughs> that, ma- that makes two of us. I had to put my hoodie on before we, we started recording. So Yeah, I, I, I'm wearing shorts because I'm an idiot. So Never wor- never move to central Pennsylvania, folks. That's all I got to say. Never move to Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, you don't have a friend in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 I was gonna, I was gonna say, pursue your dream in another state. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so, so in any case, it is, despite the chill in the air, the most wonderful time of the year here at Last Knock headquarters in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it is that time of year where we discuss our personal best of, uh, and we'll be talking about obviously the year that just passed 2021 since we're doing the podcast at a more leisurely, uh, uh, release schedule now. Mm-hmm. And it's given us some time to catch up on some movies. I'm sure that, uh, we would have had to cram in otherwise. So, um, I know I got to watch a lot of stuff within the past couple of weeks, um, mm-hmm. that was released in 2021. And, uh, I, I gotta say, I'm glad I had the opportunity to to view some stuff. Some stuff, not so much, but uh, for the most for the most part, I was like these. I had a lot of worthwhile uh, cinematic experiences at home. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're gonna do five movies apiece, and uh, awesome. Billy was having some uh, some crisis before <laughs> in, in terms in terms of figuring out his number five so maybe bill to uh to uh belabor it a little bit uh, you know i always, you always like to tell people how many movies or at least horror movies you've seen in yeah. in the year just past and actually i was keeping a tally of mine as well so do you want to yeah Bring up talk talk numbers before we get into the countdown. Yeah, I'm gonna talk numbers. First of all, I now have eleven films on my uh, uh, runners up list because I watched fifty nine mm, of, okay. of this year's horror of twenty twenty one's horror films. And uh, wow, I'm moving Kingdom, The Shin of the North, which is from uh, actually Korean, uh, based on a Korean television series. It was just fantastic. Mm. Um, I'm putting that in my runners up list list just because i saw this movie recent very recently because i broke watching 3000 horror films and mm. this movie i it was it's unique and um some people really dug it and other people were like one guy wrote and i wanted to just punch him in the face because people are doing this now on imdb where it says trivia people, oh. are, putting, people are filling in whatever they want now and yeah. The one guy wrote the worst, the worst movie on Netflix. I'm like, what? You're like, I just wanted to punch him in the face, but um, yeah. it's called Dos, which is um, two in Spanish. It's a, a wonderful Spanish film uh, from last year. Very intriguing, mystery, um, bizarre. Not def- not necessarily like when you step back from the story, you're like, hey, ah. but it was so cool with. Um, Wonderful, um, oh man, I didn't have it up yet on my thing here. Uh, <laughs> no, wonderful uh, pair of actors. Um, and they are, because I'm a fool, um, <laughs> Marina Cattell and uh, Pablo uh, Derke. And um, really wonderful. Um, it's directed by uh, Mark uh, Tar- Targarona. And what it is, is two people, man and woman, wake up naked with their bodies attached to each other in a bed. They don't know each other. They don't know how they got there. They don't know where they're at, what happened or why. And and it's great. I love the dialogue. I love the dialogue a lot, the exchange um, between them. And uh, the movie poster is really cool because it shows two interlocking hands. And it looks very strange. And 
the movie's wow. you know the movie's bizarre. If you love body horror, here you go. Um, very dramatic, uh, mysterious. Um, but the way it and the way it ended, it's like yeah, I get it, and that was that was cool. But um, so it's not a hundred percent. But I really enjoyed the weirdness of it. So because I want something different, man. Every time oh, I yeah. watch a movie, like every other time I watch a horror movie, it's like saw this before, you know. Like, and I know we can all say that. And uh, oh yeah, so yeah. dose. So is that your number five, Bill? That's my number five. Okay. Well, you know what? I think I think I've heard of that one. I have obviously haven't seen it. Um, <clears throat> I think I might have seen the poster even. Um, so mm-hmm. you said that's so streaming on Netflix right now. Uh yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll tell you, Bill, that you uh, bested me by ten movies in terms of uh, mm. our, our horror viewing for 2021. I was like, damn, this might be one of those years where I actually out outrank Billy in terms of just sheer <laughs> hours expended on movies. Hey, we watched a um, hundred films then between the two. Hey, of us. you know that's, that that ain't that ain't bad. Why? Yeah. Because we care. <laughs> 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 we're, we're we're masochists yeah oh fuck yeah yeah <laughs> some of some of this shit i i never want to even think about again but in any case um my number five movie came to me through interesting circumstances mm. uh, as as you do as well bill um i write over at the screening space yes. run run by the wonderful susan layton yes yes um, yes and back in august <clears throat> She uh, she's very cool because she like you, Bill, just lets people write whatever they want to. You got you a good writer. You have something you want to write about. You can write about it. Yep. Um, and and I like that level of uh, of of trust and and, and integrity. Love. Yeah, in, integrity. I think too. Mm-hmm. It's it's we're not doing it for the clicks. We're doing it for the art, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. So in any case, uh, Susan came to me with uh, this. Uh, screener she had for a movie and and hmm. she said you know do you, do you want to give this a give this a watch and uh, see what you think about it if so you could write about it for uh, the screening space so i'm like you know i'll watch anything once and the film she sent me was called is called forgiveness written and directed by alex kahuam this is a film, and I wrote wrote about it for the site that just really rattled me in a in a visceral way. Damn. Um, in in some ways, in some sort of tonal and visual ways, it reminded me a little bit of Martyrs. Um, Ooh, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to oversell it too much because I you don't just quite... did. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So I mean, uh, I'm not sure if it's gotten distribution proper in terms of VOD or uh, no. Or next or an actual release yet, but uh, I hope that that changes, but it's not quite as philosophically solid as martyrs. I'll say, gotcha. but in terms of the overall experience and aesthetic and what Kahuam tries to do with the premise, it's very interesting. It's about three, uh, three young women who wake up in a hospital. One of them is deaf one of them is mute and the other one is blind. Oh, I heard of this one. Yeah. I didn't see and, it yet, man. Yeah. And it's basically, they're just left to figure out why they're, why they're there. That's and, wild. Fuck. And how to escape. Camera work is fantastic. You know, there's a lot of kind of stalking handheld camera going on that really puts you in the, in the moment. The fact that uh, he, kind of wrote this script that is limited in terms of dialogue. There's hardly any dialogue in the film. I love it. It makes it even more interesting, I think. And it it's like, you know, if you if you were a less capable filmmaker, people would be checking out of that checking out of the movie because it takes a lot of talent to make something that's really dialogue light that's more about the visuals and the body language itself to make that stuff really hit with impact mm-hmm. um, and you know this is a movie i've been thinking about since august because it just mm. the experience of watching it really really shook me the performances are fantastic it's 
it's a movie where you just sit there wondering. I was wondering what the hell is going on. How is this going to end? Um, and that's a good feeling to have, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Going back to you know your comment, Bill, about just stuff being too predictable, too generic. You know, um, a lot of the the stuff that gets uh, sloughed in the slot bin of the mainstream. Um, this is definitely not that. Um, and it just had a lot of impact on me. Um, and and I just, like I said, still thinking about certain scenes in it, certain characters. Um, it's it's a dark, bleak movie. Um, and I just think it's really well done. I think Kahuam is a, is a talent to watch. And I must, again, shout out to Suze for, uh, for sort of sending that screener my way, because I'm glad she did. I, I was really uh, impressed with this film and... Hope it gets a uh, hope hope it gets uh, some distribution and uh, more people are are able to see it and uh, yeah I want to see it yeah so yeah number five forgiveness yeah as soon as I heard about it I was like I got to see this movie because it's just it just sounds too fantastic yeah I think I think you'll dig it once you see it Bill oh I have no doubt <laughs> so no so, doubt so what do you got for your fourth Bill. Well, it was one that a lot of people talked about at the beginning of the year, and um, I didn't get a chance to see it till near the end of the year, and I really enjoyed it for a lot of different reasons, and that is called Anything for Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the ride because um, it was so great to see Julian Richings. Um, I've seen, you know, he's a character actor. Um, I saw him star in one movie, which was an absolute disaster. Not his fault, because mm-hmm. uh, he's a fantastic actor, and it was great he to is. see him. Yeah. You know, spearheading this with Sheila McCarthy and um, and Josh uh, Crudis. What a freaking role, man! He was just killed it. <laughs> and um, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's fun. You know, I, I like to go in cold, so I don't want to. Uh, Let's just say a bereaved couple, you know, does something a little bit heinous because they want to, like, you know, um, see their grandson again. Let's just le- – I'm leaving it like that. Yeah, and yeah. it's, like, the lengths people will do for love or, you know, whatever. And it was just such a messed up, intriguing story that just got a little bit weirder and weirder and weirder as it went on. And I really enjoyed that. Um, third act, yeah. I, I might have wanted to see a couple different things near the end. But otherwise, you know, with those performances alone, it was such a fun watch. It was just so cool. You know, Crudus and, you know, and Richings, you know. And Richings was great because sometimes he could play these really weird parts. And here he was like, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little weird, but I'm trying to hold on to the normal. And it was like, it was, I yeah, really, yeah, it you know, was. I really enjoyed that. And Sheila McCarthy was just so great. And uh, Constantine uh, Mantelos, you know, just, uh, it was really a cool cast, a great mix of people. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. And, and in a blink of an eye, it was over. And I was like, damn. And um, so I'm really glad I got a chance to see it. Anything for Jackson is really a lot of damn fun. Yeah, Bill. Uh, not to not to rain on your parade, but that was my number five film from last year. <clears throat> oh, because it had the release date in. Hey, wait a minute. Fuck me, I'm wrong. But it's okay, Bill. You know, I'm. No, so, I'm so, uh, well, if you want to sub, if you want to substitute another one for number. No, five. yeah. Fuck that shit. Um, but but I, but I, I will say what this. An idiot. I'm, so, I'm so. I'm editing fun- this out. Well, no. Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't Listen, edit shit. We we are we are the jazz of horror podcasts. We don't edit anything. Damn straight. Um, we're the Bill, you, we're the jism of horror podcasts. That's better. That's better. We we spill our we spill our unedited seed all over the place. But you know, Bill, I'm just so glad you finally got a chance to see that because I know I rec- you know I know I was telling you about it, and uh, I'm so glad you liked it because that film. That that film got to me too, and and some of the some of the imagery in that film is just kind of crazy where it goes, and uh, and I love the uh, that that odd trio of Julian Rith- Riching, Sheila McCarthy, and uh, Crudus, whose character yeah. is just so he, he 
you know, everybody's kind of walking a tightrope with their characters because you could easily tip over into that over the top sort of a territory, but they, they keep it in check, which I think is cool and really adds a lot to the movie. Yeah. All right, cool. Then uh, number five is Kingdom, A Shin of the North. Four. Four, Bill. No, that's number five. Four is Dose. Oh, okay. And yeah, you're up, Johnny. What are you waiting for? <laughs> so it's, now we're all fucking out of order. Okay. I'm yeah, gonna... but one more one thing about Kingdom, A Shin of yeah. the North. It's epic, and it's a great period fantasy piece, and um, the cinematography, the acting – just fantastic. So that's Kingdom Machine of the North, number five. And four is Dos, not Dos is Quattro. Keep that in mind. All right. I'm not even drinking. I need a drink. Get me a drink. So, Bill, is, uh, where's the, where can we see Kingdom Shin of the North? Um, I think that was uh, it was on Netflix or Prime. Those are okay. the two I go back and forth between. Okay. All right. Look for that one then. Oh, my God. Okay, my number four is another film that's kind of the through line of my movies this year is films that kind of lingered and hung around in my consciousness. Um, and I'm going with Vla- Valdemar Johansson's Lamb. Oh, I still wanted, I wanted to see that before we did this. I'm so upset I didn't get a chance. And, and I don't know when it's, I feel like it's odd because I haven't heard anything about a DVD release, a, a, yet. a DVD or a streaming release. So I'm not sure what's going on with that, unfortunately. Know, but you know, this film I saw it in the theater, luckily, and uh, you know, I have a bit of nostalgia for when me and my girlfriend visited uh, Iceland back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a beautiful, a beautiful landscapes. You know, you can drive for miles and just be kind of in awe of the natural beauty of things. Um, all, all these like form you know mountain formations and, mm-hmm. and stuff it's just it's just it's just really breathtaking um i love how it's just an, not a overly developed place like the united states is you know where you know any any patch of land is sold for real estate kind of yeah um, so you know this is a very isolated feeling film it stars numi rapace um mm-hmm. from the uh, swedish girl with the dragon tattoo films um She's fantastic, you know, and uh, it's just basically her and her husband, uh, Ingvar, they run kind of this lonely farm and in kind of this valley that's kind of perpetually shrouded in mist. And one night uh, they're looking, you're checking in on the the uh, sheep and one of them goes into labor, gives birth, but it is not what you would typically expect um, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to a sheep to give birth to. So what happens there kind of influences the story that's really, there's a bit of a folk horror vibe to the whole thing, I yeah. think, um, in, in kind of a modest way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's also a bit of an allegory going on about, uh, you know, uh, parenting and just senses of entitlement that, that go along, I think, with being a parent or even protection, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, regardless of who your child is, what it looks like. It's just I think there's that natural inclination to be protective. Um, yeah. And, and it kind of and it kind of shows. Uh, I, I said this in our hodgepodge show when I brought this movie up, but it shows a real empathy about and towards kind of the animal kingdom which i found fascinating Mm. it's like the way just you know kind of the the barn cat that hangs around or the other sheep um just the way they're photographed uh the way they react to things just is is like there's this there's this whole separate level of communication going on that we can sort of glean from how they're reacting to things um how they feel in addition to the human characters about this sort of unusual situation that's transpiring, which I thought was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, it's like in a movie where there's only really three human characters. Um, it's, it's interesting that how uh, Johansson kind of included animals as characters unto themselves Um Rather than just kind of like, oh, there's a here's a shot of a cat to to help a transition to another scene kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, it's a really beautiful film. Uh, New Mirror Pace is great. The whole cast is great. Um, awesome. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, I know I know people don't like to watch trailers, but, uh, you know, just check out the trailer and you'll either be really intrigued or you'll be really like, I you'll, you'll know whether you want to watch the movie or not <laughs> and get or and give it a shot based on the trailer, which it's very minimalistic. And I kind of love that. And uh, yeah, I love I love Lamb, and I can't wait to uh, when it finally gets a release and adding it to my Blu-ray collection. So I love Lamb too. I ate it just the other night. Oh, oh, oh! Come on, poor little Lamb. Too soon, Bill. Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) (laughs) You're not even done digesting it yet. Oh my gosh! Awesome. Well, yeah, I can't wait to see that. yeah. And I <laughs> Oh man, I this is this was one of my fun ones. I really enjoyed it. I busted a gut. Horror oh. comedy. I think you know where this is going. Um I think so, yeah. And it, it starred a great duo that I hope work together in the future, but my favorite thing was and this is one of the stars is the the lovely, the beautiful America's favorite Uzbek Yep. Milana Vantrub, um, right from Uzbekistan, Kash, uh, Kashtan herself, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. the capital. Um, she's the AT, Lily, the AT&T uh, persona. Um, yes. Werewolves Within, um, I just loved it. Josh Rubin directed it. The writer was uh, Mishnah Wolf, and it's, it stars a great eclectic mix of characters I can't see anyone like turning down this script. It's like, yeah, I want to play that lunatic, you know. <laughs> and um, it's fun. It's uh, it's it's just fun. I just really enjoyed it. I was so entertained. I had a smile on my face the whole damn time. It was it was really cool. I know this is gonna sound so like nerdy, stupid, but it was so cool to hear Milana, Lily, the eighteen T girl, go fuck. It was just great. <laughs> it was just awesome. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, more of that. And the whole cast is just fan friggin' tastic. It was such a blast. And Sam Richardson, who plays Finn Wheeler, (laughs) he was so damn good. And really with Milana, like they need to do, they need to do more movies together. They were great. He's fan. Everybody in this movie is fantastic. Oh, yeah. but, but it almost had like a knives out feel without being knives out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, and it was just such a blast. So if you like horror comedy and you want to have a good time, this really stood out for me uh, because it was just a blast. Yeah. I know some people are like, well, there's a plot hole here. And it's like, just this, this it's like one of those movies where it's like, I would never even think of equating like a plot hole with, <laughs> dude, it's a comedy. So maybe a plot hole's allowed. Like, you know, uh, it wasn't a black comedy. It was just like, you know, it, 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 it was a step above silliness. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was just fun romp. Yeah. You know, Bill, I was so glad when you uh, told me you watched that again, that's another one. I was like, Oh, I'm so glad Bill likes this one. And then I was, <laughs> I was, I was doubly surprised when Palco said he liked it too. Yeah. And I, we, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm glad, but Palco was like, he is like so unpredictable. I, I don't know what to make of him. So yes, he is. And in a good way too. And that's, um, yeah. Palco yeah. designs, um, man, if, People need to go to his YouTube channel and check out his incredible freaking horror movie collection. Uh, and I don't oh, mean just yeah. collection, but like the props that he has built. And so, oh my god! And the stuff I know he has coming in. Holy jeez! <laughs> we got to go there, Johnny. We got to go. Yeah, I know. We got to figure that out. Yeah, it's a no. His videos are a lot of fun. It's like just very, uh, just very simple, but but it's like mm-hmm. so so fun to watch. And when so. you see his stuff up close, you're gonna like. Your jaw's going to be on the ground, man. <laughs> I have, I have no doubt. But uh, you know, to chime in, Bill, I, I, uh, Werewolves Within was one of the first movies I saw at the Midtown Cinema when it opened back nice. up this year. Yeah, and I was like, so, oh, it was so good. I, I agree with everything you said. Chemistry between these actors is oh. fantastic. Comedic timing is like oh. on on point throughout. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I should have mentioned like, you know, there's parts where like people are sort of talking all over each other 
Yeah, and it's, it's like back perfect. Back. It's it is. Just, yeah. I'm like, damn. Oh. It, it is, it is kind of like uh, the timing you'd see kind of in a screwball comedy from the 30s or 40s kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was so well orchestrated. Everybody, like, I would have loved to have been on set because you could tell, like, every... It would be amazing if, like, oh, that was my the worst filming experience because it was just... <laughs> you know, I would, like, no, no, don't tell me. It can't be true because these people were just on. It was just such a blast. Yeah, and, you know, I was surprised that it was... Uh, I was like, oh, this is based on a video game. Yeah. I was like, who, who would have thought? So... I, I, yeah, you know, it, and it still maintains the horror elements. Um, oh yeah, it's de- the def- the comedy is strong, but it does there. You know, there is a werewolf in the movie, so you know you do got you do you do got some gore going on, and you do got some people getting attacked and disappearing and stuff like that. So it it really it really strikes that balance really well and uh yeah 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 i could see that you know i can definitely see that being a go-to comfort movie for me um you know in the years to come just because it is so gosh darn fun to watch yeah i would definitely put that on if like you know like i put on like you know bram stoker's dracula or you know um ninth gate or uh red victoria you know i'd be putting that i'd be putting that on too and i think it's a movie also that you could probably you know, if you have your fr- have a friend who's like, eh, I don't like horror movies, you know. Yeah. You, you, it, it's it could be a good one to show them because the horror isn't it's there, but it's not as strong as it could be. Um, and and it's mostly about the characters and the interactions. So, yep. You know, so definitely good good choice, Bill. I was hoping you would bring that up. <laughs> ah, so that didn't, that didn't make your top five then. Well, yeah. I was really debating it on my list and, and I was like, I was like, oh, it's one of those ones that just, it, it, it would be in the top 10. Definitely. Mm, yeah. Nice. Okay. So my number three film and Hey, sometimes we have to go with controversial choices here. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> This is a movie that got the piss taken out of it uh, last year, and Ooh. and and I was fully expecting to join the uh, the you know the majority and unzipping my fly and pissing all over it myself. However, However <laughs> something, something funny happened on the way to the theater. Boom. I wat I watched this movie and I absolutely fell in love with Halloween Kills. Yes, folks. Damn. I'm. I was hoping to watch it right before this. I couldn't get to it, man. Hey, it's it's wow. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's. I'll be curious to hear what you think of it when you finally um, do. I'm I'm really intrigued to watch it now because of you. <laughs> and I know like, I know Palco Palco's like what 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 happened to Johnny? I'm like I don't know. We lost him, man. <laughs> you know, game over. <laughs> you know, Bill. You know, we don't. I I don't need to tell you. We did a show on uh, David Gordon Green's 20, 2018 Halloween. Yeah, Neither yeah. one of us liked that movie. No, that was crap, man. Yeah, it. But somehow that film really, you know, it really uh, captured the zeitgeist of the horror community because most people I knew were like just going on about how great it was, and I'm like, what movie did you see? To me, to me, I saw mostly a rehash of yeah of, of, of stuff. everything, yeah. You know, so obviously I was like, okay, Halloween kills. Well, I want to go to a movie, so I'll go see this just to see it. And you know, I didn't really go in with any expectations. So I start watching this thing, and almost right away, I'm like, this is better than that 2018 film. Um, and as it kept going, I just kept loving it more and more. Uh, a lot wow. of people are saying it's sort of an empty stopgap film that where not a lot happens. I'm kind of like, what movie are you watching? Damn, um, wow. I, I also feel like, not to get too uh, political here, I feel like it captures kind of the... Uh, the a certain four-year presidency that we just went through, and it's that's the effects of which are still kind of evident in our society right now mm-hmm. sort of sort of the uninformed mob mentality and people's desires to kind of uh, just pick up a bat or a gun instead of maybe thinking a situation through um 
it's definitely a movie about mob mentality. Um, mm. And I, I think it's very effective the way uh, David Gordon Green shoots it. Um, I think the writing by uh, Jeff Fradley and Danny McBride is better than the original, or I should say the 2018 film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's very single-minded of a purpose in what it does, and I think it does that very well. It's a, I, I felt it, it was like a visceral experience to me. It made the boogeyman scary, which I thought I'd never, really say, I'd never really say about Michael Myers, because I'm just like, you know, the some of the movies are good in the original series. I like the Rob Zombie movies better, but this film seems to be angling more towards Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 in terms of its ferocity. Um, sort of, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kill s- some people, and you're not they're not gonna be people you don't give a shit about. Um, you know, it, it takes some risks and I was really impressed by that. By the time it was, by the time it was done in the credits world, I was like, you know, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, Jeff Fradley, you magnificent sons of bitches. You, you took what I thought was going to be the throwaway thing that everybody else was calling it. And I felt like you captured, you captured the zeitgeist in this movie. It's, it's, it's brutal. It's over the top. But, you know, it says some things about victimhood. It says some things about, you know, there, there's there's a sequence where you have some people who aren't really smart with guns. And there's some there's some fallout that almost plays like parody because this is like that's it, almost like, well, this is what would happen in real life. Hmm. People, people would die for stupid reasons you know, they wouldn't get off perfect shots or whatever all the time. So mm-hmm. I, I. Uh, yeah, I wow, you're you're pounding the table. Holy shit! Yeah, I wrote a review of it for Crash Pals. Yes, you did. You, you can go and read. It has spoilers, but the movie did just hit um, disc. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can watch it that way, and Fuck, then review, read the review to see what I thought. Um, I just can't really contain myself because I w- I was just so impressed with it. And Judy Greer. Uh, who I love in anything. She is fantastic. That's another thing, Bill. I think something we didn't like about the 18 film was that we didn't feel that there was a lot of agency with the uh, Strode family. No. Um, and I think this movie rectifies that. The, they feel they, these characters feel more three dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more, it feels like there's more at stake for the characters. Um, and I really like that. And like I said, Michael Myers is scary again to me. So awesome. I, so I really like this film. I feel bad that a lot of people didn't, but uh, hey, this won't be the first time that I've, you know, people look at me with their heads cocked and scratching their heads, saying what's wrong with him. So you're, yeah. you're a crazy some bitch there, Johnny Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So anyway, cool, man. Yep. Well, my number two, and it's funny because my number two and my number one, I watched the first horror movie I watched for 2021 was my number one and it's remained. Oh, wow. Which last year, if you remember, it's like my number one, which was um, uh, VFW was number one up until like, you know, mid-December, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, this one never waned, and the second movie I watched, thanks to Palco, again, from Palco Designs, um, I remember he watched, and he was like, the ending pissed me off, and I watched it, and I was like, the ending didn't piss me off, and, you know, we talked about it, which was cool, that was a great discussion, Mm, but this was the second movie I watched, and it stayed number two, Um, Mm. and it's called, very independent film, The Block Island Sound. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, well, you're hearing it again, John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Directors, uh, Kevin McManus, Matthew McManus, uh, they both wrote it, directed, and it's something lurks off the coast of Block Island, um, which is, uh, it's silently influencing the fishermen, uh, and one in particular, uh, an older gentleman named Tom Lynch, and what happens is, What's happening to him ends up putting his family in danger, and it's uh, it's great because it's hard, it's a mystery, it's a drama. Um, 
very dramatic, very intense. Um, Chris Sheffield plays the lead, and he's just freaking phenomenal. And Michaela McManus is in it as well. It's totally a family affair. Um, but it was just really um, wonderful. You know, people talk about Lovecraftian all the time. And yep. everybody thinks you have to have a fucking octopus in a movie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's Lovecraftian. It's like, no, it's not how it works. Um, this would fit in that, mm. you know, regard of uh, a Lovecraft feel. Um uh, it, it was real, you know, really great work of the camera. You know, uh, it had this, um, it's like, they're like, how would you film a drama and have a horror element to it? And that's what I really enjoyed about it the most. Um, Alan uh, Gwizdowski did the uh, cinematography. He was excellent. I loved the writing. I loved the uh, character exchanges, um, all the things that they did. I did love the ending a lot mm. because to me it revealed so much and, um, which I thought was a blast and he did some really cool stuff. I'm not sure of the budget of the film because it was like one of these, like, Oh man, you could tell like they had like, you know, $10, but you, I mean, and I, I don't want to cheapen it in any way because um, oh, yeah. it never came across like that. Um, it's like, okay, we're going to make a movie. We're going to write about something we know where we know it, you know, we have the location, everything's cool and everybody delivered um, on a grand scale. And I just loved how the movie progressed. It had this like haunting atmosphere. It just, it was just like, there was a heaviness that as the movie progressed, it got heavier and heavier, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, Which makes me think of some movies that didn't make the top five that Mm. all that, you know, some of these runners up also had like the vigil um, for one, which I highly recommend as well. And um, yeah, Block Island Sound, highly recommended. And Bill, where did you where did you say the film takes place again? It's um it takes place I would say uh it I I, I wonder if it's like um, New York like off oh okay upstate area right. and probably off um but it's uh doesn't matter it's fucking great it's definitely northeast. <laughs> Well, you know, Bill, to what you said, I think it's like important to, you know, th- those dramatic elements are important to horror, um, you know, mm-hmm. when, you know, to approach those. I'm sorry, know, Rhode so, Island. Oh, OK. I think yeah, it was, so yeah, it was Rhode Island. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I think if you have the good drama, the horror will follow suit kind of if you're making a horror film. Um, yeah. And that was the great thing, because, again, you know, it comes down to like characters that aren't disposable. It's like you care about these characters. And, yes. Yeah. And one of the things that I loved is this uh, a little bit of Paul Soleil's grace, <laughs> you know, came out where it's like you have these characters and they're butting heads, but no one's necessarily the protagonist or the antagonist, you know, and that, I love that. That's so human and real. And um, so it was just great. And then there's the element of the other. <laughs> so there you, go. you know bill that's a uh, funny that you mentioned grace because uh, uh not it's not my not in reference to my number two movie but my number one movie I, I i was thinking the same thing so that's 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 a that's a neat synchronicity there okay mm, i wonder if we have the same number one um i think i know what your number one is I was trying to anticipate it, so we'll oh, we'll see. Oh, we'll Johnny Numb the Hot Shot. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what your movie is there. Well, we'll sip your tea with your pinky out, Johnny. After almost nine years of doing this show with you, Bill, I've Jeez. learned to I've learned to anticipate the uh, the moves of my prey. Yeah. Well, damn. You scared me, Johnny. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing the predator thing with my wrist, th- digital wrist thingy right now. Wow, damn, shit. Yeah, anyway. Bastard. <laughs> I never liked you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my number two movie is a movie I watched two nights ago. Damn! Um, and and it shot its way up to uh, near the top of my list. Damn. Um, and it's called Broadcast Signal Intrusion. Yeah, I gotta see this damn thing. Yeah, directed by Jacob Gentry, written by Phil Drinkwater and Tim Woodall. Now, I've written a review of this film that I'm going to send Billy's way, so I'm not going to. I'm going to mm. be a little sparse with the details, mm-hmm. but I will. I will say this: back in February of 2021, after years of putting it off, I finally got a vasectomy. 
Okay. So you're cut above the rest, Johnny. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll cut it out. <laughs> I, I would I would say it's a cup below the rest, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in any so in any case, case the recommended course of uh, recovery um, from the procedure, which you know, it is it isn't a, it isn't really a bad procedure. Um, so if anybody's on the fence about it, you know, just just go do it already. You'll you'll be you'll be happier. Um, but the per, the recommended course of recovery was basically, uh, you know, prop your feet up and uh, alternate like a, you know, a cold pack on your area, I guess, like a 30 minutes on, 30 minutes off sort of thing for two days. On your area. Purple pros, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> on your mound? Uh, well, on oh, your purple, sex? Pur- purple, Bill? Purple? And, uh, uh, yeah! You said it, not me. Um, but in any case, what perfect, what perfect excuse to have to just like sit, do nothing and watch movies. So, you know, after coming back home, um, uh, one of the movies I decided to watch was, uh, Alan J. Bakula's The Parallax View. Yeah. Um, have, God, you, have you seen that one, Bill? Yeah. Like 30 years ago. Yeah. But, oh. you know, it, well, Criterion put it out recently. So I was like, ah. you know, and, and I'd heard about it and I was like intrigued by it, the, the concept. So I watched it and I was like, oh, this is this is fucking awesome. You it know, is. Great, it's a great thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great 70s, 70s film with a rugged <laughs> Warren Beatty in, in the lead kind of. And it's just this it's, you know, Pakula was sort of known for these films about conspiracies and such. And uh you know, people getting too close to something um, that that could, uh, you know, very well kill them um, somehow. So <clears throat> that's kind of what the parallax view is about. And uh, I love how it's one of those movies where you don't really know how deep the shit is until the char- you realize with the character that, oh, this is going on to a place where you can't turn back and where you where you the direction you keep going is probably going to lead to your demise in some way. Mm -hmm. So, and I I was really taken with that movie. And the reason I'm bringing up the parallax view is because broadcast signal intrusion reminded me of that film, albeit in a horror sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gotcha. It is kind of a movie about a a loner character in search of something um, in hopes that it will explain it will explain away the disappearance of a loved one in his life. And it leads him down a rabbit trail that gets increasingly stranger um, and, and increasingly dangerous, albeit in very subtle, subtle ways. Um, it, it was a really, you know, it was a film that started, I started watching and I was like having a hard time sort of connecting with it, but maybe mm-hmm. after 10, 10, 15 minutes, I was just like, fucking glued i was fucking invested in the story um i like how these conspiracy conspiracy movies often you learn more about the character as the film progresses um at first they're more of an enigma more of a loner and then as things continue it's like oh i'm learning this this and this because because he's so driven in his quest you know to find something out all these little details about his personality and his history are coming out as well. Mm. And I really like that uh, sense of characterization. Um, fantastic performances. It's a movie bill that I think you'll dig because I can't wait, man. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes. I think the first scene that really, uh, that really uh, maybe sort of hooked me in officially was just our protagonist. Who's played by uh, Harry Shum jr. He's just sitting across the, you know, on the opposite side of a desk from this older gentleman who has some information. And it's just the two of them talking back and forth. But it's like you're learning little by little what's, you know, you're getting these little pieces of Mm -hmm. this puzzle that are helping contribute to this whole. So, like, the more you go along, the more the puzzle pieces are being filled in, perhaps, um, towards some sort of conceivable truth. But then it plays around with the notion of truth as well. You know, mm-hmm. what, you know, what is truth? Is, is truth something we want to believe or is it something we know unequivocally to be true? And, you know, I sound pretentious saying all this, but, you know, broadcast signal intrusion really 
put me in that headspace. It was kind mm. of a, it, it was kind of like an intellectual feast. I would say if you like, you know, it, it has its horror elements for sure, but it doesn't overplay them. It does them. It integrates them just enough to get under your skin. Um, and, and there's a real dramatic pulse and the characterization is fantastic as well. Um, I just really loved the movie and it really, uh, blew me away by the time it was over with. I just kind of sat staring Damn. Well after, long after the credits had done, were done rolling. I was just like staring at the black screen. So, yeah. Wow, man. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I was really, I was really uh, transfixed by the film and I was, yeah, definitely a high recommend for sure. Yeah. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Bill, now we come to the... Yeah, yeah, smart ass. You know what it is. <laughs> Piece of shit bum. Anyway, um, Vicki Spiegel, dear friend um, uh, who has a, her television pilot on the oh, way, yeah. so I'm so thrilled for her. Can't really announce what it is yet. I'm going to let, you know, I, when she like unleashes everything, I'm going to un- help unleash it as well. But um, she said, Bill, you got to see this film. And I was like, so it's like, all right, I'm in. And I saw it and in January, and it's been my number one since. Um, and it's wonderful because, you know, um, it stars B. Arthur as St. Maud. No, it wasn't B. Arthur. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Morfid Clark as St. Maud, written by Rose Glass. And this is her directorial debut. And she did an ace job. This movie has a ton of weight to it from the very beginning. You feel mm-hmm. this like, ugh, this weight of this nurse who's taking care of somebody. And she might think that, and Maud might think, ah, she needs to be taken care of in a particular type of manner. Um, before the, uh, She's a hospice nurse. So, you know, this woman she's taking care of, um, Jennifer L., friggin' brilliant. Everybody's great in this. Everything's greatness. The color, the cinematography um, by Ben um, Fordsman. Uh, beautiful. Just fantastic. Great shots. Such an excellent story. And the one thing I remember, as soon as I watched it, I'm like, I got to see behind the scenes. And <laughs> when uh, Rose Glass said, uh, and this was beautiful, and it should warm every horror movie fan's heart. She said, when I was writing this script, every time I wrote something, and it's like I've seen this before, I got rid of it and wrote something new. And that's exact. And if you don't want that as a horror fan, I, I don't know what to tell you because you'll never progress. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was great because she did these little things that were just, everything just added up to these moments of pure, holy shit, that really happened, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, from Johnny's Chuckle, it's like, yeah, I concur. Um, Obviously, I can't tell you about the ending or anything like that, but it was like uh, wet your pants kind of ending. Um, yeah, I remember like whipping my head back and almost giving myself whiplash. It was like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> damn. So it, the effects are fantastic. Characters, dialogue, the way the film progresses, excellent first, second, and third act. It's got everything all lined up. And mm-hmm. the only shocking thing to me is that Rose Glass... I can't find her doing anything now. Yeah, like what? What like I was what wondering the, about that too. Yeah, what the hell, man? She should have like three movies in development. She should have like a ton of people around her. Um, it's crazy. Um, if you like, I don't know. She has a feel to me like uh, like Pesci with you know Eyes of My Mother, and like there's like this element that she has that he has yeah. as well of this like. Let's do something a little bit different, and let's do something a little bit darker. And um, I would, lo- man, I'd love for them two to make a movie together. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah. What could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, I can. That's the sick part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Morfid Clark, what a performance! And there were some great performances from many other people uh, this year, um, yeah. which was great. But man, this movie just had it all, and it really rocked my world. And now that the year's over, I want to uh, definitely see this one again. I want to see if it goes up a notch on my list in regards to its four-star film. Can it go up to four or five and make it to my best of 
forever list, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I totally agree with everything you said, Bill. Um, this, I think this may be some of the problem with this, with St. Maud is that it kind of got a raw deal in terms of, uh, COVID happening and then it's distribution kind of, uh, a24 didn't seem to know what to do with it and yeah it which hard. surprised me yeah yeah and then it was hard to watch because i think it was on that epics uh thing for a while and yeah oh that's how i watched it, it was such a pain you know it's like and, come on what the hell bad and i bad I, distribution I, yeah yeah and i think now it's actually on hulu so more people have hulu so yeah. um but yeah, I, I maybe that maybe that explains some of it. Got kind of jostled around because I know I know it had been made like maybe two years ago, but didn't really get a proper release in this country until 2021. Um, but no, Bill, it's it's fantastic. I, I second everything you say. Um, Morford Clark is great, um, and I think the sense of spirituality in this film is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And how a glass approaches it, um, and sort of, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's like, is is Maud a saint, uh, or is does she is she just a, is she just a kooky person who kind of has you know kind of has these delusions of sainthood? You know, is mm-hmm. this is this is the stuff she's experiencing? is that really happening or is that just happening in her head? So I really, I really like that element of it. It's also a real model of economy. The film is just slightly over 80 minutes yet. It manages to pack so much stuff in, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, in terms of plot character and theme. Um, really it's, it's, it's really heavy for what it is, but it's also hugely entertaining as well. Yeah, exactly. It's, it wasn't like, oh man, can, can this scene pick up? I never felt that at all. Oh no, definitely a sense, real sense of pace to it, um, but yeah. not at the expense of character or anything no. else. Um, and like you said, Bill, the final image of that movie still haunts me. So, I'm oh, like, it does. Too. Yeah, I really, I started to wet myself. I was like, holy shit. That's, it's, it's one of the great oh man that could be one of the great final images in all of horror cinema actually at this point um, yeah uh, yeah r- really powerful it conveys it conveys a lot so much yeah so great great choice bill um, um well my number one i can't wait um, i have no fucking clue <laughs> my number one is a movie um that uh Okay, if broadcast signal intrusion hit me in the brain and hit me in the intellect, this movie hit me straight in the feels, as the kids say. Oh, God. No one says and, that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. People don't say that anymore? Come on. Just just Johnny Numb. <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny Numb went to the wizard and he got some heart because he was really affected by your heart can't beat um, my heart can't. Damn it! My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Great movie. That's in my uh, that's oh, in my runners see... up. Oh, okay, awesome, Bill. Yep. Um, I wasn't sure if you'd seen that one or not. Um, oh yeah, re- I saw it like uh, I saw it like two two weeks ago. Yeah, that was probably around when I watched it too. Um, di- written and directed by Jonathan Quartas. Yeah. Um, fantastic cast uh, led by Patrick Fugit, who you might mm-hmm. remember from Almost Famous, among other movies. Yeah. Um, Ingrid Sophie Schramm, who I could have sworn I'd seen in stuff before, but apparently she doesn't have a whole lot of IMDb credits, and I was surprised. Exactly. Yeah. And I was, I was like, holy shit, she is amazing in this movie. She's phenomenal. Um, Yeah, I'm like, I'm hoping she gets a lot more work after after this film. And rounding out these the uh, trio is uh, Thomas, played by Owen Campbell. Fantastic who we saw and loved in super dark times. Yep. Um, yeah, this movie really, I feel like uh, Billy and I were talking about some, you know, we, we, mm, we now we I get it. Yep. Up, we, we wrap about personal stuff before we sit down to record, we catch up on each other's lives and, you know, and this is a film that feels like it just hit me in a very personal place at a time when, not 
there there is a certain fragility to things right now in my life without giving too much away mm-hmm. it's it's nothing to do with me or my relationship with my girlfriend um it's 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 other stuff yeah. um and your cat's okay too and she's okay yes Kima's okay um it, but this this film just captures in a very raw manner in a manner that really puts the emphasis on the drama um which you know makes the horror all that more effective it captures a sense of defeat, complicity, and this is from my letterboxed review, skewed normality and love as a paradox. Um, love as yeah, an obligation yeah. and love as something unconditional. These are emotions that, you know, even great filmmakers have trouble, you know, uh, intermingling these emotions in a way that fits with a narrative it's not sloppy and sentimental. Um, this film just nails it. Um, this is really a film about three siblings, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, one sibling has something exceptional going on, and it's basically what the other two siblings do to ensure that this sibling is able to survive. And this is when Bill said, this is a film like Paul Soleil's Grace, where oh yeah, there these there is no villain there is no villain in this film, Bill. Mm. Or or would you say that would you say would you say there is? I could argue. I could make an argument. Well, okay. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, I might be talking more than one person. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe. But but <laughs> uh, you fuck with me, man. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, I was just like sitting there just watching this film unfold and I was just so taken with it. It really it really put me through an emotional ringer watching this because given the circumstances of the plot, I could empathize with almost every character. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see why everyone was doing what they were doing. I could see where the conflicts were coming from um, and how the conflicts made sense. Um, and, and it's just like, what is this, what is the solution, you know, when it comes to family and, and there's a, and the situation is so precarious, so delicate, you know, what, what do you do? How do you keep, how do you keep your normal life in check with this, you know, sense of abnormality that you've conditioned yourself to kind of, um, and that, that really, that, that really kind of shook me about this movie, um, and I, I loved it. I, I just was really like, I just was like, oof. By the time it was over, I was like, you know, Mr. Cuertas, you made this movie and it's like you kind of looked into my soul in, in mm. a way, in, in, a, in an odd way. And that, you know, it's it's cathartic, but it's all, it was also draining at the same time. But I, I, I was kind of like so in awe and uh, in admiration of it. Um that that I just yeah that it was kind of that that really shot up to the top of my list within the past couple of weeks because I haven't been able to shake that film mm-hmm. again again the performances are great yeah uh, Miss Shram I hope she gets more work because she's you know everybody's great but she steals you she really steals the show here um, and yeah and the cinematography Art- man. Yeah, you know, Bill, I was going to say, uh, for people who like uh, Let the Right One In or the, mm. the remake, this seems to exist kind of in that same world. So I would say if you mm. like either of those films, give this one a shot, too. You might you might like it, too. So. Hmm. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> that's all she wrote, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So Before Miss oh. Fletcher went out and killed somebody else at Cabot's Cove. <laughs> like eight like there's murder capital in the United States and Capitz Cove like uh, 8,000 people died there during the filming of that TV show I'm, I'm, I'm going to impersonate Ed Harris in a history of violence right now you might want to ask yourself how how did Miss Fletcher get so good at killing people <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible that's a terrible impersonation that was absolutely hideous <laughs> That, that that was that was more like a bad De Niro or Pesci or something. I, it was a bad something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway. Anyway, it's scream out time. Yay. We're screaming out to people on Twitter you could find um, that are awesome. We're going to give you their Twitter handles, say a little bit about them, and then Johnny and I are going to do our thing, and then we're going to sign off yeah. and call it a night. Um, first one on Twitter, Marinka Von Varg. I am my scars, as she says. And uh, you can follow her on Instagram as well under the same name. Marinka's fantastic. Dave K, gotta love him. Who's that? <laughs> a fiend on film. I don't know. I think I put him on here just so he'd like maybe listen to the show and like have something to like bitch about. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he has. Uh, he wrote uh, Core Noir in twenty twenty. It's phenomenal. It's a coffee table book. I mean, it's just amazing. If you love noir, you'll love Dave K. He also loves horror, Indian foreign films. He loves indie films that are so indie nobody knows they even exist. Except for him and the filmmaker. Uh, and he also makes his own short films. He's yeah. also an artist, graphic designer. He's into architecture photos, collecting mass amounts of physical media. And um, go to the magnificent world of DaveK.wordpress.com for more. The wonderful Autumn Love. Who's that? That is Autumn, capital L, 1722. As she says, I love cats, Halloween, horror music, The Walking Dead, paranormal stuff, chocolate. Chicago Cubs and the Blackhawks. Pizza, the WWE, and no drama, damn it. And she is just as sweet as pie. She's absolutely wonderful soul. So follow her. We were talking about this earlier, at least Johnny Numb was, um, the wonderful screening space. Yeah. And that's screening underscore space. The screening space is a place to chat about all forms of entertainment featuring celebrity interviews, movie and TV series, news and reviews. Go to the-screening-space.com for more. Who homes it? Susan Layton. And that's Suze or Susie Layton, S-U-Z-E. And cruising through time with my best friend, Al, waiting to make my next leap. <laughs> and you could find um, her again at the screening space. She's just absolutely wonderful soul. Um, and the screening space is really amazing because the quality of the writing is phenomenal. And I just love everything that um, all of you do because Johnny, you're part of it. And, yeah, um, I'm, I'm 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 happy to be part of it. You know, su- you know, Jerry. And and Sue, Susan's a great you know cheerleader for you know she's mm-hmm. we've been uh, I would say we've been friends with her for poof, years now. Absolutely. Um, and, she, and she always she always uh, plugs our stuff, and we we love her. Yeah. Absolutely. The love is deep. Yep. Flixology 101. <laughs> watch drink enjoy that's beautiful right there doing my best to save the world one clip one sip at a time underappreciated lousy screenwriter and founder <laughs> of flixology101.com out of frederick maryland go to flixology101.com really seriously fantastic love interacting so, with that soul yeah. and another excellent soul the great tommy doyle and you can find tommy doyle at tommy doyle 47 i was a good kid I got babysat by Laurie Strode till one night Michael Myers came and changed me forever. I won't stop till I stop Michael. So they're all horror all the time. Great soul, really. Evil dies tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet and I can't stand a line. An old friend of the show, the second person to ever follow me on Twitter, Bleeding Critic. Oh, yeah. I narrate my own stories, reviews at bleedingcritic.com, stories at his YouTube.com uh, uh, channel, which is Scary Stories UK, and also go to cameo.com slash bleedingcritic. Fantastic. What a voice. What a narrator. What an actor. Phenomenal stuff all the time. Isaac Thorne. Who is Isaac mm-hmm. R. Thorne? He is a horror author, um, Horror Writers Association. Um, he's also on Scream Radio and he's the host of TN Horror News. That's out of Tennessee, y'all, in case you didn't know. Uh, reviewer RTs are not necessarily endorsements, but he's a wonderful soul again, wonderful writer. Check him out. Finally, John Grant of Horror. Who's that? That is Y2John84, affable horror enthusiast, Ghostbusters fanatic, and John Carpenter devotee out of England. And uh, John's really cool and has great horror stuff as well. So those are our scream outs for this episode, Johnny. Um, nice, nice. Thank you, Bill. No, thank you, Johnny. No, thank you. Bill. 
<laughs> I'm gonna puke everywhere. In in any in any case, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Johnny Num. There are no H's in those Johnnies. And you can also find, as Billy said, my writing at thescreeningspace.com. Yes. And you can also find my articles and reviews at CrashPalaceProductions.com because Billy continues to be a nice guy. Oh, really? I'm not familiar with that, but I heard CrashPalaceProductions.com is a fantastic site. It's the best horror site (laughs) in the world! Ever! Okay, whatever. Um, I'm I'm Billy Crash. You can find me on Instagram as Billy Crash. You can find me, uh, Billy Crash Talks, I believe, or whatever the hell it is. Um, (laughs) On Twitter at Crash Palace, uh, if you like crime thrillers, especially weird ones with weird characters, um, go to Noir Kink, um, where you'll find links to my award-winning Kink Noir series, and... Come to this. Uh, come to um, CrashPalaceProductions.com. There's articles by uh, Ms. Layton as well as Johnny and many others. Um, and I have one more. I'm, I'm like losing track of everything. Oh, you can find the Last Knock just about everywhere where quality podcasts are sold. I have no <laughs> idea. And um, that's it, man. That was 2021. Hey, Bill. Quick, quick uh, heads up. What? Um, my my copy of Bondage arrived in the mail today. <gasps> Ooh! So I'm 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 very happy, and I will I will take a picture for the socials, as they say. To, <gasps> yeah, Johnny, you're so fabulous. No, I hope I hope you like it, man. It was fun to do, and it was great because my editor she doesn't just give like editing feedback. That's Angela Ackerman. Yeah, she yeah. Uh, at Creatively Angel. She was like, ooh, you know, because she knows the characters, you know, and she knows mm-hmm. the books. And she's like, oh, I didn't see that coming or stuff like that. And like, oh, this really works. And it's like, and it was great because every time she reacted, it's like, hey, that's what I wanted. So uh, <laughs> so that's good. I hope people enjoy it. And I'm working on book five now. Yes. And awesome. I'm also taking notes for book six and seven, Johnny. God damn, you're a machine, man. I'm the machine! <laughs> yes! Love me! I'm Tetsuo. <laughs> <laughs> uh. On that note. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to wind up like those kids? Oh yeah. my gosh, man. I gotta, watch, I'm, I'm, I gotta watch all those Tetsuo movies now. Oh man, I watched the first. Oh, from that box set you gave me, I watched the first one a couple months back. That is fucking crazy shit. Isn't it awesome? Whew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something. It's something. I love it, man. I love all that shit. Yeah, no, I, I need to go through the rest of that box set. I'm definitely intrigued by uh, by a su- more Sukamoto. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, we definitely should do a Tetsuo show. Oh fuck yeah, on on both movies. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds cool. Okay. Awesome. All right, let's go. Let's go, let's go watch Tetsuo again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, Johnny, have a great one. All right, you too. Take care, Bill. Okay, bye. <laughs>